All right, Liz, we'll start with you. So um, let's just kind of go on some of the, the bigger picture of just church planting, or just even the, the issue of class distinction. And so some people have raised that question. And so by raising the issue of class, working class, middle class, are we not in danger of drawing a division in the church or exacerbating a cultural divide? This is a, this is a big question, even the point no. of having the, having the conference. <laughs> And so, there you go. Thought I'd start with that one. Isn't, listen, I get this silly question all the time. I haven't said anything about class. In fact, I was very clear in the beginning that class is a social construct, right? It's not biblical. I've been very clear about that. I'll be very clear at the end when I end. Um, so, um, look, I am not divided. People say to me, oh, you're bringing division. You're so, you know, it's about bringing division. You're dividing the church. No, I'm telling you that this already exists. I'm merely bringing to light a division that clearly exists and is felt by a huge number of people in the country. Um, very few of us are Christians from our communities. As many of you know, we're pastoring and trying to reach into our communities how hard it is. Not how hard it is just to reach them, but to hold out that friendship and they cross the divide into the culture of your churches. It's hard, isn't it? It's graft. So it exists. It's a, it's a fact. It's not... I, I refute any notion that class is a biblical. Class is not a biblical. It's a social construct. Yeah. But just because it's not biblical doesn't mean it's not a social reality for those of us right. who live in it. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's why I didn't do a whole thing on history of class and all that. I just think it's just unimportant. Yeah, but it's something that we've got to talk about because it's, yeah. it's present in our communities. Yeah. And so... Um, so when we think about to be clear, we're more classist than middle class people. Let me be very clear about yep, that. That's true. We're the ones who talk about it all the time, not you guys. So yep. to be clear. So when we think about church planting in a poor community, so on a on a scheme, on a council estate, how does that look different than church planting in a middle class community? So just think about just starting a um, when you move in, what are some things that a church planter or a church plant team maybe need to be think differently than if they were going to the suburbs or to a wealthier part of town from, from day one. Did you listen to the talk I just yep. did? It's a question <laughs> you're asking. <laughs> so not just thinking, but about methodology, about, about um, equipping your team, leading your team. I've never done it in a middle-class suburban context, so I'm not speaking from vast amounts of experience here. I think the main thing for me was uh, getting over the temptation to think that I knew this community because I grew up in this city. Right. And so persuading my team and putting the reins on, especially the cultural outsiders, to slow down and do the work of understanding the culture before we launch a service. So from a lot of people in my team who were middle class like myself, they were raring to go and had to really give them a speeding ticket and say, listen, slow down, because although you may have lived in this area for two minutes now, you, you're not <laughs> trusted and you don't understand the differences, the emotions that we've seen today. And so um, so you, you put out a blog early on when you um, started the church in Gracemount, and you were really telling people not even to come in and be a part of, of the launch of your church and the, the team early on. Why would you... Why do you, in one sense, invite people to come and join you, but at the same time say, you know, wait, step back a little bit? Yeah, so we wrote a blog uh, just ahead of launch Sunday because loads of people had said, oh, we hear you're launching. We're desperate to come and encourage you from partner churches. 
And so he wrote this blog saying, please don't come to our church launch. Because we'd spent three years trying to understand our community and then create a church and a community that would be um, understood by and hopefully attractive to. And if all of a sudden you have 100 middle-class Christians from outside coming in to encourage us, then people from our community would have their... All these assumptions and caricatures of what church is would be confirmed on the very first Sunday of our church launching. So that created a lot of heat. I got a lot of hate mail off the back of that blog from middle-class Christians saying, we've given you lots of money. How can we not come to your church? Right. But just misunderstanding what we're trying to do. And so the rent-a-crowd thing might work in some situations, but for us, it would have been, it would have killed us on day one. What about then revitalizing an existing church? Some would say... Let me just, yep, ask, just help him answer. I don't think there's that much difference. We're not asking for any special... Thing. There's no magic bullet. People need to hear about Jesus. We've got the gospel. We have a responsibility to take the gospel to people who need to hear about Jesus. Am I, am I missing something? And, 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 and we've got to cross all cultures and stuff. There's not that much difference. Mm-hmm. The main aim of doing this is, is that there are... So, I mean, and Acts 29 will hold their hands up to this, uh, uh, and others is, there are no... Guys, coming to plant churches, very few right. coming to plant churches in our communities. Lots of services being provided into our communities by Christians, but that's not, that's not the same thing. Yep. And so what we need, uh, we need the middle class. Let me be very clear, because everybody thinks I hate middle class people. I married one, and she's quite nice. Uh, <laughs> and um, we need you. Look how well he spoke. He's a, he's a lad. He hates all this, but he's a lad, isn't he? That lad's... He has given up, he gave up a, a career, because it is a career for these guys, up the ladder, he did his O-Kill or whatever it's called, up, 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 and he, he stopped it all and said, no, I'm going to go into a council estate and graft on my own. That's what we need. We need this. So I don't want, I'm not saying we don't want them, we need you, we, but we need you to come and hear what we're saying and come and plant in our communities, and it'll just look like the churches in your communities, yeah. hopefully. How we integrate is the key, but I think how we do that is through diversity on, in, in terms of how we lead our plants. Yep. You're going to love this question. It wasn't your question, but it was just a correction of some of the stuff. You're going to love this question, Mess. So some would assume that um, maybe the best way to start a church in a, a housing estate would be to start a house church. Yeah, well, um, that some would be wrong. <laughs> and so um, does church look different in a poor community? Like the Sunday gathering, what you do no. week to week? No, yep. no. My church looks like pretty much... A bog standard church. You come in, we um, read the Bible, we sing songs that are meaningful, not this pop drivel. Um, culturally, I a lot prefer hymns. They sing them much better. I don't know why that is. I'm not a musician. I'm just letting you know. And I prefer hymns because they teach very good theology and help guys who, who learn orally just repeat and, and understand. Um, I'll, our service is about an hour long. I'll preach for 30, 35 minutes of that. And we'll all have some scran or hang out together. And then, and then go home. Uh, repeat. People come to the service and they're completely disappointed. Right. They're like, well, you know, what did you want me to do? Have like a waterfall in the corner and some candles and we all sit on beanbags. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you think is going to reach the poor? Um, you know, it's the church, it's, you know, the gospel. It's nothing new. We're not asking for anything new. We're just asking to be included in the conversation. Jabba, I want to talk about, um, yeah. just again, talking about homes and houses. How does... How does using your home in the community, um, how do you use your home for ministry? You're talking about hospitality and um, uh, bringing people into the house. Um, and then are there some 
challenges or, or things that we need to avoid about using your own home in ministry. And so this question someone's asked specifically about hospitality and inviting people over to the house for dinner. <clears throat> um, I, I find this question weird. Yeah, we get um, it a lot, don't we? Yeah, but just because it just isn't what we do. It's natural. So in our scheme, and when I grew up, so parents don't have dinner around other people's houses, but kids do. So when your friends are in, and if it's tea time, you get your dinner there, because that's how it works. You, you don't have dinner parties. I remember the first time I invited some of the girls around, there was this list of things I couldn't have on the menu. And I'm like, so I was making spaghetti bolognese, and in the end I went, so minced tomatoes and pasta then. Yeah. Everything else was cut out. And even the whole concept of getting them from that point of, you want to come around my house for tea? Well, what for? Like, I just want to hang out with you. All right. So we're more likely to hang out and go for dinner outside of the home. Like, hang out at Nando's, seems to be our favorite. Like, pizza, pizza all those places that are just outside the home. Culturally, we don't do dinner parties. Right. It's odd. We don't do Greg's thanks. I've got a good Greg's hat though. So those things are all, but it's just natural. It's what you do. But I talk to my neighbors all the time because when I come home, she's hanging out the balcony and shouting to me, usually slanderous things. But last week it was, so can you only get to heaven if you're good then? Right? So we have this conversation and then she's shouting over the street to her pal. She says... Shabbos saying, you can't get to heaven just by being good. So my whole street are listening to this. I'm like, praise the Lord. She says, I'm going to make a complaint to your minister. <laughs> and I says, come the morning and give it in person. That'd be great. So we do hospitality. So we hang out a lot. We go places a lot. The best conversations are in the car. It's a safe place when you're going to something. But we don't hang around in people's houses, unless you're having a cup of tea. Yeah, but one thing that might be slightly different for each of you is that all of you have people living with you. Yeah. So you use your house as a ministry, but it's not for dinner parties. You, you use yeah. your house as a place for people to come and, yeah. and see what Christian families look like by living in your but home. So explain that to us. Can I just say again, you think that's abnormal? Well, I'm saying... But that's, yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm not the one asking the questions. They, they sent them to we, we me. We know you're asking the question. I know. I've known him a long time. I know. Loves Maggie Thatcher and all that. I'm onto him. Hey, come on. Back to you. So you have people living in your houses. I'm yes, sure that many do. people in this room. We have criminals in our homes, yes. <laughs> so, and I have two but, daughters, yes. So, okay, now. But my neighbors, so my neighbors don't think that's weird. Right, so I've had all sorts over the summer, Americans, even posh Christians, and my neighbours just shout at them over the, the balcony like everybody else. But my neighbour has her extended family living with her mm -hmm. and his pal and everybody. So it's normal to us. It's to normal have, in a scheme culture. Yes, that people in each other's My neighbours think I'm a crack dealer. Yeah. Not just your neighbours. Just because of the lads who stay in the house. Yep. Yep. So. But, so, but that is, that's an important part of, of ministry and a scheme. That's the important to open part up of your discipleship homes. that... Yep. Yeah. Middle-class Christianity does not understand. That's why I get frustrated with the food banks, the, 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 the things. Yeah. Not that I'm in and of themselves, but it's insufficient. Yeah. You've got a guy, you've, 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 they've come in, you've helped them, you've helped them in a crisis moment, yeah. and, um, and then their lives are just plainly chaotic, largely. And so what they need, they need to come in, 
Like I said, when I, when I became a Christian, I was a traitor to my people. You need to understand that. that I was a traitor to the cause. It's as simple as that. And so all my support groups, cracked up as they were, just deserted me. And I needed a family. I needed a family to be around me, not a set of meetings to attend in the week. And um, what we give is our guys is full, comprehensive. Mm. When you come to us for Jesus, whether you take our food or not, whether you accept mess or not, we are going to love you mm. for good forever. And you can come and share and live in our home, live with our families. And that is not without huge amounts of risk, which largely middle-class people are not prepared to pay that price. They're happy to volunteer a few hours a week. They're happy to do these things. But open your home and subject your little ones to these people. Mm. I, listen, I understand that thing, but it just, it's just we, we haven't even got time to talk about discipleship. We should have. Mm. It's just a huge, massive problem. I think that's one of the big, major blind spots in the, in the church. One of the, the issues that causes, not doesn't exacerbate the, the divide, but doesn't help yeah. uh, uh, Christians from our communities fully integrate into the church. Part of it is because we're used to, so we, from a demographic where you teach somebody how to do something instead of showing them. So we tell them what a godly woman looks like, but we don't show them because we're just not in their lives. But like when life is chaotic and your kids are having a meltdown and stuff at work's happening, all the, everything's going wrong, right? In that moment, the person that you're discipling needs to see as a godly woman how you're dealing with that, with that well and godly. We need to example it. Yeah, and, and that's important for young men, particularly young men who've got no examples, largely, right? Yeah. And so they've got to see, if I have an argument with the missus or I say something wrong to the kids, something sinful, because we've all established I'm a moron. Um, and um, they've got to see the answer to a discussion with your missus isn't to punch you in the face. Right. Right? And put your kids up the backside and shove them off. The answer is, you, as a man, say, I'm sorry about this. Kids, I'm so, sorry your dad's such a moron. Um, repent. And they see, they get to live and see us in all our frailties and weaknesses, which guys like you don't want to show anyone because you've been trained to get up the front, say it perfectly, use great alliteration, a couple of cheeky illustrations, and get home. And that's why it's absolutely critical that if you want to surf in a church in a poor community, you've got to live in the community. You've got to live there. Yeah, I yep. Yep. We're out of time, but um, keep sending in your questions for the panel um, this afternoon as well. And there's information in your uh, bags about workshops that are coming up. We'll talk more about that later. But our goal is to keep this conversation happening more than just beyond today. And so check out that as well.